If you're not already ready standing, please stand for the reading of God's word. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All of all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. Amen. You guys can grab your seats. Welcome here. If uh, we haven't met yet, my name is David, and uh, I love talking about Jesus, and I love helping others follow Jesus as I try to do the same. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to welcome you tonight. Tonight we're going to be talking about hearing the voice of Jesus. How many of you guys have had someone in your life that maybe they were famous or you admired them and contact with them was limited, but you had the chance to talk to them? You had a chance to be in their presence, to go up to them, for them to see you, look you in the eyes, and for them to speak something to you. Anybody? Who, who, Greg, who'd you have? You don't want to say it? Uh, athletes, just, you know, famous athletes. Oh, I don't, I don't know who that is. Was that 1984 Olympics? Okay, very cool. Anybody else? John, you had to raise your hand up. Oh, yeah, Jerome. Yep, that guy. Any non-sports references in the room <laughs> for us uh, artsy folk? Uh, Baylor Flex. Who is that? He's uh, all major players. Oh. Another, another person no one will know. We all know him. Banjo. Banjo great. Anybody else? The Newsboys. Oh yeah, that's was that um, before? What was before? Who's the guy who's the main singer now? Who was DC Talk for a while? Michael Tate. Michael Tate. Before or after Michael Tate? Before. Oh wow. Okay. They're in what? A Starbucks. Okay. What did they say? did they say anything to you, or you just stared them? Oh, dang, he dropped the, dropped the, yeah. And I've never stopped drinking white chocolate mochas. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, okay, okay. So uh, years back, one of the people that I admired so much, and um, I'm a pastor nerd, so my guy was a pastor. His name was Alistair Begg. He was, uh, got this beautiful Irish accent, and if you've heard him preach on the radio, he's just fantastic. Even if he's like talking about the most boring thing, you just listen because he sounds so beautiful, right? Um, and I'm at this conference up in Bellevue, Washington, and uh, they're doing a breakout session where they're doing a Q&A. He's sitting up front with uh, R.C. Sproul and some other guys, and they're talking about who knows what. I was just gaga for him. I'm like, man, not only is he brilliant, he sounds awesome, he's pretty handsome too. Uh, and so he's sitting up there, and he says, uh, in the middle of this thing, he says, fellas, I'm really sorry, I, I have to use the restroom. Um, and then I was like, Oh, okay, and so he gets up in the middle of this Q&A and, and says, uh, you know, excuses himself. And I look over at Rachel, I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom too. <laughs> I mean, you look in the room, and the room is full, every seat. And so I'm like, chances are good that I'm going to be able to track down this guy. And so I went to the restroom and pretended for a while to just stand there and have something to do while he was doing his business. And then I blocked him. I stood by the door on the way out just to not miss him. And I was like, Alistair, um, 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 and I just stuttered. And I was just like, 
but I just, any word from this guy. And I remember uh, later on, sheepishly, I had him sign my Bible, which is weird, but <laughs> he ended up putting this uh, verse in my Bible. And I remember going back and going like, what's the verse say? Oh my gosh. And the verse was an encouragement to do what I currently do. And so it was one of those things where it meant so much to me because I had admired him and his word carried weight. And it was something that I was willing to like run and embarrass myself in front of my wife, which I have no problem doing. She will attest to that. But I am pursuing to hear the voice of somebody who carries significance in my life. Man, what if we were to pause and just take a second and realize, okay, Often we walk in these, just this daze, sleepwalking with the reality that the maker of all creation, the one who knows you and made you, formed you and is for you, the one who, who created you and he knew you before you were born, Psalm 129 says, before your substance was even formed into who you were being. He, he pre-planned days for you that you may walk through them to become everything he designed for you to be. What if that person had an intimate, specific word to you? What if, what if there was this message that he had saved in his mind but that only you would hear it if you pursued him with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength. What would that word mean to you if the all-powerful one spoke it with your name attached to it? We're invited by Jesus to not merely talk to God, tell him our requests, and hope that we somehow are heard and that he somehow decides to say yes so that we can continue on in our life. Not only that, we are invited into an intimate relationship where we speak to him and he speaks to us. Today our text is found in John chapter 10. And so if you have a Bible, please open it. Um, before we dive into it, my, my really, the question is this. If we have such a beautiful reality that, that Jesus invites us into... What are the things that hold you back from hearing the voice of God? This is uh, not a rhetorical question. We're a church that loves to discuss and throw things out. Um, what holds you back? What makes it difficult to hear God's voice for you? Anyone? Me, it's distractions, big time. I got ADD as an adult and child, double dose, okay? What about you? What makes it difficult for you to hear the voice of God? Oh, uh, skepticism. Skepticism, like what? Um, is it really God or? Or the burrito. Or, yeah, or is yeah. it? Uh, so uncertainty, yeah? What else? Fear of being wrong. Hmm. So fear of hearing him wrong. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mary, did you have one? No. You were scratching. Okay, got it. <laughs> got it. Is there anybody in the room who's ever felt, um, why would God talk to me? We're going to handle those questions tonight, the first being distraction, the first being uncertainty, and the third being, why would Jesus want to talk to us? There's so many people for him to talk to, so why us? So let's turn to John chapter 10, and we will begin with those questions. What do we do with the distractions? In John 10, we are um, introduced to Jesus talking about himself as a good shepherd, and he breaks up this story into three different categories. There are those people who he calls hired hands, or we're going to call them fakes. They're not for you. They speak into your life, but they're not really trying to make your life better. Their words are unpredictable, and they're unreliable. 
they're motivated by things that aren't really your best interest, but they'll speak them easily and surely enough. There are many voices in the world today, and we have to learn to grapple with them. Jesus says in chapter 10, verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gate opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when they are brought out, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him and they know his voice. But there's other voices, notice. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know his voice. We're led into this reality that there is not just one voice calling out to you and I. There are many voices calling out. Many different people with opinions and advice and prosperity that they're willing to kind of try and lead you into. So how? How do we decipher amidst all the voices when we say, I'm too distracted, so why try? My mentor, Gary Bashirs at Western Seminary, says, learning to hear God's voice is the single most important task of a disciple of Jesus. Learning to hear God's voice is the most important task for you and I. You guys know that we, we are trying to create a, a different way of following Christ and a different way of using our time where we're not intended to just be coming together to experience, to consume, but when we come together in this space, we're actually trying to develop different skills and, and different uh, muscle memory so that we become stronger individuals in the world. We don't just get good at listening to sermons because you don't need another sermon tonight I desire that you would walk away from this room with the beginning steps of feeling more confident to be able to decipher the voice and heart of God because you need to have that skill as an individual, as a follower of Christ, to hear his voice. If you look in the Gospels in Luke 10, we see that, that even Mary was described as sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, because that was one of the most fundamental characteristics of a disciple, is that they would listen to the person they were following. And so when we come together, not only do we start our time by going, man, we are, we are here to meet with a God who is not a, an entity, an unknowable figure. We are here to meet and see the living God who is a person to be known, not something to be navigated. And God speaks. We are here to hear the voice. And if you understand even uh, history within the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 6, there's what's called the Shema. You all know what the Shema is? The Shema is the most common prayer that you would pray as a Jewish person is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It is the basis of spirituality with God. Love Him with your full self. It's called the Shema because that's actually the Hebrew word that appears first in that statement, hear. Shema or hear isn't just like listen and then do whatever you want. Shema is listen and obey. It is listen to the point where it is internalized and transforms you, where my, the words you hear are wrestled with here and they affect the way we walk out of this room. This is what it is to listen for the voice of God or hear or heed God's word. And so it becomes very significant if we're uncertain about what we are to hear. It requires a discernment. It requires our ability to identify our voice, fake voices, Voices who are false and want to mislead us and the good shepherd, Jesus' voice. John 10, 10, verse 12 says this, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. He leads the sheep, and, or he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them 
But the hired hand flees because he is hired and he cares nothing for the sheep. Sadly, within our own context, some of us have experienced others who have appeared to be in your favor. They have taken the role of being on your side, taking care to look after you, your families, to care for you. And some of you have had those individuals, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a pastor, who knows. But when danger came, they were nowhere to be found. So Jesus says, listen, those are not the true shepherds. Shepherds who are disinterested in your life, self-centered and careless with you, with your families, with sorrow. It's a reality that many of us have experienced. And so why would we open our heart in our lives, why would we invite the influence of somebody that we don't know if we can trust them to stay? I love how Jesus goes on and says, I am not like them. I am the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. I stay even when it costs me. One of the greatest things that will hold you and I back from eagerly or even willingly tune our ears to hear beyond our world to the world of God's kingdom and his voice, his still small whisper and voice, is do we believe that he is going to speak to us and not abandon us when we walk and follow him? Do we trust that Jesus is going to speak life? Do we trust that he is not disinterested in your life and what it will cost you to follow him? Do we trust that he is not self-centered, looking to take from you, but actually for your good? Is he careless with us, or does he extremely care? These are things we have to wrestle through. There are a lot of voices of uh, these hired hands or fake shepherds right now. There's a lot of therapy going on on TikTok and Instagram. There's a lot of, of fluffy advice going around. You're, there's no shortage of finding a friend, so-called, to tell you what you want to hear. But will they be there for you when you follow their advice to just do it if it feels nice, when that leads to deep pain? So what does the voice of a hired hand or a fake friend sound like? It will often sound and look like appealing to your flesh. Advice that is not of God will, will sound like, if it feels right, do it. It'll be short-sighted. It'll offer you immediate gratification rather than long-term health. It'll elevate uh, yourself and selfishness over the care of others. It'll sound like you deserve this. Don't think, just do. Some of these things we can hear all around us. So how do we decipher through the permissive advice of culture with the voice of Jesus who is truly loving and good and for us? So there are those who are fakers and there are those who are takers. And Jesus goes on to talk about the robbers who sneak in and pretend to be shepherds over you. Takers are people who will take deep interest in your life. They will learn a lot about you. They will study what you want and what will gain them a place in your life. And then they'll use it against you. Jesus is not like that. Jesus is not trying to, to trick you, to lead you into a space of, of false sense of trust so that then he can just take and take and take from you until you are nothing left. Yet that's the image that many of us import into our vision of God. That, yeah, God, I don't want to go to hell and, and, and I'm going to try and appease you. I'll try and like just cultivate so that you don't get mad at me. I'll try not to break the rules. I'll sin, avoid. I'll try and, and just manage our relationship when actually we're seeing Jesus as a taker and that's just not who he is. Jesus is is not into a truce with you, even if you follow him 
and have given your life to him. Jesus is after true unity with you. He's not trying to sell you anything. There are a lot of people who want to take from you. Jesus goes on to say, John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. There are many people who would, would steal away your gaze from what is truly important. They'll take your clarity and they'll steal away your hope. Some people would love to kill the spirit and soul that you have within you for God. They would love to rob your calling and utilize your skills for their agenda. Unfortunately, some are out there who pretend to be good shepherds, that they just want to steal, kill, and destroy, and they don't even know how dark it is. They're willing to break down your personal worth, your own contentment, your convictions, and the altar that God has built in your heart. They want to feed on you. Yes, this is a heavy reality that there are false shepherds, people that are not worthy of your trust. They're not worthy of you not watching and analyzing carefully. Takers sound different. Takers are those who try and use jealousy to motivate you, try and use condemnation to shame you into doing what will benefit them. They spawn hopelessness within you and cause you to fear that you are worthless apart from them, that you'll never change, that you should just give up. These are takers, not shepherds. And in this world, Jesus recognizes when he comes and says that humanity is like sheep without a shepherd. And Peter, his disciple, in Peter 5, 8 says this, Be sober-minded, watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. It is more important than ever for us to have a shepherd. To not merely say, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to trust in Jesus and then I'm going to do my own thing. A sheep on its own is lost. We are in need of a shepherd. So how do we know the voice of Jesus? The voice of Jesus is one who is the true shepherd. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Not only that, he knows us by name. He claims us and he knows us by name. When Jesus speaks to us, it sounds like, I see you, I know you, I delight in you like nobody else. John 10, 3, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. This is crazy that God knows our name. And I was studying and just meditating on this, the idea that God knows my name, David, Alec, Libby, and he knows your name. But then Revelations chapter 2, verse 17 says something really beautiful, and strange, and mystical, but worthy of our acknowledgement. In Revelations 2, it says, He who has an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. I just imagine Jesus like in heaven and he's got like this pet name you and that name is it probably makes him laugh a little bit it probably has a backstory behind it and when he speaks it to you one day it is going to feel like the very fiber of your whole true being 
is completely and fully embraced, celebrated, and known. Man, that Jesus knows not only our name now, but what is our pet, sounds so bad, but pet name for all of eternity. And what if, what if even now we began to, to view the voice of Jesus not merely as an imposition to me doing what I want to do, but rather Him wooing me towards goodness and towards life and towards abundance? What if Jesus wasn't like the fakes who when the going gets tough, he ditches, or he's not like the takers who just want to get from you, but rather he was the true good shepherd who every word he speaks from his mouth is literally life and peace to you. We are the recipients of his calling, his voice. Each one of you, he has been counted worthy of his beckoning, his address, his heart. He is willing to be heard by you. John 10, 11 says this, I am the good shepherd. Verse 15, I lay down my life for my sheep. Verse 17, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Listen, 18, nobody takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus freely laid down his life to build life with you. See, Jesus knows us personally and he claims us willingly even when it's not personally beneficial. He knows us personally, claims us willingly, even when it's not personally beneficial. He is for us. The voice of Jesus sounds like this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they or you may have life and have it abundantly. Why did Jesus come? To take? No. To give. Plain as that. To give life. The voice of Jesus sounds like, I am for you. My words, my action, all of me is working for your favor. You see, abundant life isn't just something someday. Abundant life is something Jesus wants to deliver us into today through his leading. If you'll notice in the text, there's this interesting interplay where Jesus says, if you, if the, the sheep, you hear my voice, they follow me because they know me. And then it says, and I will lead them in and out. In to security at night, in the pen, to sleep at peace, and then out into the pastures to run free and find what they're looking for and to find provision. Jesus is not trying to take from you. He's not trying to limit you. He is not trying to button you down. He is trying to give you the safest place for you to blossom into all that you were created to be. He is the good shepherd, willing and trustworthy to follow. The voice of Jesus, in James we're told, this is the half-brother of Jesus, chapter 3, verse 17, the voice of Jesus doesn't sound like condemnation, like the thieves' voice. It doesn't sound like uh, jealousy. It doesn't sound like anger. It doesn't sound like selfishness. The voice of God sounds like the voice of wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. You know, some of us are uncertain if the voice we're hearing is the voice of Jesus or our own voice. We have to run it through the filters, not only of this passage right here, but also the filters of the rest of Scripture. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
we are called into a discernment to have ears out to receive what Jesus is communicating to us and to discern what it means to us. You see, it's one thing to hear the voice, but it's another thing to wrestle with and to discern what it is that God is saying to you. This is something you shouldn't do on your own. Oh, I hear Jesus saying this to me. Does that make me feel happy or sad? Does that make me feel excited or scared? Don't trust your emotions to decipher the words of God. Go to Scripture. Does this, uh, is this affirmed in Scripture? And then go to community and go like, hey, I think this is the voice of God. Does that sound right to you? And they can go like, yeah, that kind of sounds like Jesus. But then some of you are like, but I've been feeling with guilt and shame and condemnation. And you're like, whoa, that doesn't sound like the voice of Jesus. We need each other. All too often, people have used Scripture itself to be a weapon against you. And so we have to have the eagerness to hear the voice of Jesus beyond the broken mouths that speak it. Don't give up on the voice of Jesus because of the brokenness of the mouths that often deliver it. You must approach the heart of God as directly as you can. We can do that in many ways. Uh, The Apostle Paul tells us the importance of growing in our likeness of Christ and our understanding. In Romans 12, 1, it says this, I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may test and discern what the will of God is, what is good and the acceptable, perfect thing. We can do this through Scripture, through Jesus. Um, This week, we're actually going to be journeying into, like, okay, how does God speak to us? Well, we're told in Hebrews that in many ways, throughout time, God has spoken to us. But in the final days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. And so we look at the life of Jesus, embodied and spoken, and we go, man, that's what the voice of God looks like. That's what the voice of God sounds like. And so if we have beliefs that are inconsistent about God himself that don't look like they fit with Jesus, we've got to start thinking about that. Secondly, Scripture. We have the ability to go to Scripture, open the Word, and Jesus says, when I leave you, it's better for you that I go. I'm going to leave you the Helper, and he's going to bring to your mind all of the truths that I've taught you. The Spirit of God is working within us to actually bring to light, when we read Scripture, different things. One of the practices we're going to introduce us to this week is called Lecto Divina, which is reading Scripture spiritually. So you're looking and opening a small chunk of Scripture and you're taking word by word, reading, saying, Holy Spirit, what would you speak to me here? And this is one way that that God can actually meet us in the moment where we find ourselves, so to speak, in the text where a word pops out and it resonates with us. You're like, oh, that's interesting. I typically do this in the Psalms every day. I'll walk through it until until I feel like something, the Spirit of God going like, boom, that one. And I'll like, oh, that sounds like me. The the prophet David is saying something that I haven't been able to articulate, but it's, it's here. And then I'll sit with God and I'll say, God, what do you have to say to me about this area? This is different than biblical studies, which we highly support, and it is our foundation for understanding. But this is a way that the Spirit of God can meet us in our moment through Scripture. Uh, Second is circumstances. Sometimes we hear God through the circumstances in our life. Now, it's important not to only read our lives through our circumstances, but sometimes certain things are going on. You're like, that's something interesting. I got something's going on. You're not the only person that said that. This thing is making me feel this way. And it feels as if all of my life is trying to get my attention. We should listen to our circumstances. Sometimes it's God pulling and bending creation, trying to draw us to understand something about him and grow something within us. Sometimes God will use your desires to help you to see 
where he's wanting you to go. And I know a lot of people go, whoa, 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 Jeremiah says that my heart is evil. Yes, absolutely. So the, the heart is a tense place, but it is not a place to be avoided. Don't avoid your emotions. God can use your emotions, but they have to be subject to Scripture, subject to the ultimate truth. But to be honest, as we practice what Paul described as the renewal of our mind, slowly but surely, the very heart of Jesus is actually becoming our heart. And those of you who have have genuinely tried to follow Christ with the desire, like, I want to be formed into your image. I want to become less, that you may become more. More and more, you will find yourself actually desiring what Jesus would desire for your life. And so don't be so quick to go, that that sounds really nice, but Jesus probably wants me to suffer. Like, no, he probably wants you to find joy. Does it match with what he says is permissible in Scripture. I think some people get tied up going, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? I don't know if that's his voice or not. You know what? I think sometimes we are the will of God. And he invites us to go live for him in obedience, taking our passions, our skills, our longings, and submitting them to him in Scripture as we practice our lives. I think one thing that can get people really tied up is trying to decipher, should I do this or should I do that? And really, for me, most of the time I'm like, I don't want to choose the wrong one because I don't want to suffer. So Jesus, show me the right one so that I don't don't have any unnecessary pain. And that's so backwards to who God is. And it's so backwards to how life really is. Listen, both paths... It's going to be some high moments. Both paths, it's going to be pain. Even when you walk with Jesus, there'll be pain. There is no no way out of this life pain-free. There is only the sense of purpose that comes when we go, Jesus, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they they comfort me. That is the mantra, the heart of, I'm going to tune my ear to my shepherd. Because I, I, I refuse to receive the twisting of Jesus in my mind saying he's going to take from me. He's not for me. Jesus says, listen, I'm not a thief. I'm not a robber. I'm not shady. I am the only trustworthy shepherd. And the sole purpose I came was that you may have life. Not survival, life. And life in its full. So do we believe that Jesus will lead us towards life as he directs us? If we do not trust that Jesus will lead us towards life, we will not listen for his voice, we'll avoid his voice. Remember early on in my own spiritual journey and this is when I was younger but early on in Christianity I was walking and man I just I, my goal was to have as much fun in the world as possible and not go to hell right that was my mantra for life okay so I'd walk on the line right I'm like it's okay God forgives and I remember like I would be afraid if I felt that feeling inside when I was doing my thing right it's fine I believe in God it's fine he understands. And then I'd, hear, and I'd have this little, da, da, da. no, 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 don't tell me to do that. I don't want to hear you. No. And I would avoid like his leading, his still small voice like the plague because it was an interruption to me doing what I want to do. I thought that he was going to make my life a smaller version than what I could do on my own because I didn't trust him. 
Is Jesus, the voice of the shepherd, an interruption to our lives? Or, or is it the aroma of the abundant life? Like an apple pie sitting in a window on the day when there's a breeze and you catch it from a mile away and you're like, if I keep following that, there's goodness there. You see, how do we become a people who so trust the voice of Jesus that it's more like the scent of fresh apple pie, knowing that there is goodness as we follow instead of an imposition or an invasion? We have to begin to trust our shepherd. We have to begin to bring some of these old pains where leaders have let us down. and bring them to Jesus. This area of not only hearing through desires, through circumstances, through scripture, through Christ, um, there's also throughout the Bible this idea of the prophetic. We're at different times, and oftentimes people go, oh, prophecy, that's like when you tell the future. Not often, really, to be honest. It's more so God speaking truth in a timely moment. And I believe God still speaks. Is he speaking new Bible verses? I hope not. I don't trust people like that. Is he, is he speaking things that would contradict what he's already said? No. But is God, is God unwilling to stand by silently as we stumble through this life or is he willing to go out of his way to, to intervene through untypical ways? Sometimes somebody saying a thing to you and you're like, that struck me like a punch in the gut. And it wasn't because of you. There was power in what you said because it was from eternity from God. And I know this is dicey for some people, and this is an area that can be abused, where people can pull the God told me card. And so we have to be really careful not to put people in the place of Scripture or Jesus and say, thank you for that. That's nice. If it doesn't resound. One time the lady told me, I see you and you're like a samurai. I'm like, I just had this cool picture. I'm like, yeah. She's like, you against the world, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And I said, thank you, sister. Um, tried not to be rude. And I just said, cool. Uh, I'm going to throw that in the backpack, and we'll see. We'll see if I feel like taking Taekwondo. I don't know. But it's not the only, I've had words spoken over me in many different contexts, and, I, and more than just going like, oh yeah, okay, this person said that, that becomes everything to me. It's like, God, is there a consistent thread here? And for me, there's been consistent threads on different continents and different seasons. And the rest of it, I'm like, we'll see. We're told not to despise prophecy in 1 Corinthians but we're supposed to test everything. Excuse me, that was 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 20, do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And so for us as a community, we're going to do this responsibly. We're, we're not going to be afraid to have God speak into these moments but we're also not going to give more power to the words of man than the words of Jesus. And so there's a deciphering process that we as a community get to have together. Even this coming week, one of the other practices we'll offer up is listening prayer where you can stop and get into a quiet place. And I do this actually every time before I preach. Study a ton typically on my back deck when it's sunny out, I'll sit there and I'll just sit with a notebook and I'll say, Jesus, I've read way too much this week. There's a lot of me that I don't want to preach. What is it that you want to say to these precious people? What is the burning 
voice that you have. Because I just want to say that. And then I'll listen and I'll wait. And then I'll start to, to have these thoughts that just come into my mind, like the essence of Jesus, his voice, his heart. And sometimes I'll see him standing here teaching you. And I'll be like, what would he say? Jesus, what would you say? And then I'll listen. And I'm like, well, that's so beautifully fitting for what scripture is saying and what I've been studying. It has a way of silencing all the other non-important things. That's my experience and something that I want to encourage in our own lives as a community. Firstly, we need to find ways of getting in places to set aside the distractions. Secondly, we need to get into a rhythm and a normal practice of discernment where we take the time and go, Jesus, if you got something to say, I'll listen. And then to write it down and then to bring it to Scripture and then to turn it over in your mind to go, well, what did you mean by that? Was that a message just for me? And to treasure that because it's truly the voice of God towards you. So, as we come to a close for our time of scriptural teaching, um, what questions does this bring up? We have a couple minutes for any questions. Does this scare anybody? Is this new to anybody? It's okay. Scared the heck out of me when I was a Baptist boy. That doesn't sound very structured. <laughs> that sounds messy. <laughs> you see, what, what Jesus is doing through the Holy Spirit is he's mashing up the traditions of the past, and not because they're bad, but because there's something more simple and something a little bit less cut and clean because God is the God of the messy. And I'm so glad that he's willing to meet us in that. Any thoughts that this brings up? tonight. Okay, so I want to just invite us into trying. And it's okay to get this wrong. Okay? Don't change your life based upon one thing you hear, especially if you can't back it up in Scripture. But maybe tonight God has something for you. So I'm going to invite you to where you're at, just put away your stuff and close your Bibles, not symbolically, uh, practically. If you're comfortable, you can close your eyes. <coughs> Take a deep breath. Another deep breath in and out. Ask the Lord, Lord, will you please take away any distractions I have right now? Help me to be present.
then I'm going to ask you to repeat in your heart, whisper to the Lord the words of Samuel, who was learning to hear God's voice. Say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. Lord, I ask that you would bring words to our mind. Spirit, I ask you to bring any picture, an image. God, I ask you to bring any verse. We're listening. Lord, we ask you that if there is something you're trying to speak to any one of us, you would just make that clear right now. Jesus, you claim us as your own. You know us personally by our name. And you bound yourself to us. You didn't leave when danger came. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to believe that Jesus is the Good Shepherd. Who desires only to give life to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.